Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're in the epistle of Jude. We're looking both way back in order to look way ahead and even into our present world. We're talking today about the angels that corrupted the world, and we're looking at Jude verses 6, 14, and 15. Let me start with Jude verse 6. And the angels that did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling have been kept by him in eternal chains in the nether gloom until the judgment of the great day. Now, Jude chapter 6, there's a little something that's actually kind of a big something. If you remember from our introduction to this epistle, that Jude likes triplets. He likes to have that testimony of three witnesses for a single truth, and he hammers it home. So, between verse 5 and verse 6 in your Bible, there's a period at the end of verse 5. In other words, verse 6 is preceded by a period in your English Bible. And just so you remember, verse 5 was, I now I desire to remind you, though you were once and for all fully informed, that he who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, over 600,000, over 20 years old, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and that's the entire 600,000 except for Joshua and Caleb, okay? Comma. There's a comma at the end of verse 5. Now, it would look foolish in English, perhaps, because it just wouldn't be good grammar. To ha- It would be a run-on sentence, I guess, but the reason that's important, and you can actually, you're, you're, you're given liberty here to make a little comma for yourself, and because when the comma's there, then you'll see this is part of a triplet. Verse 5 is the first part. Verse 6 is the second part. And right after verse 6, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. So the Exodus generation, failure of faith, the angels who abandoned their domain, and Sodom and Gomorrah are all parts of a triplet. But we're going to concentrate on verse 6. These angels who did not keep their own position, but left their proper dwelling. Now, I must have done something really bad because they've been kept in eternal chains in the abyss until the judgment. Okay, who are these angels? Well, first of all, I'll give you a big hint. We just studied Second Peter before we got to Jude. And just so you know, uh, Peter and Jude, particularly Second Peter and Jude, are very close cousins. In fact, they are best friends. I'm talking in a literary sense. A lot of commentaries include First and Second Peter and Jude as, as part of a, a unit, so to speak, to study. And when we were in Second Peter chapter two and verse four, there's a real important translation that I pointed out to you. It says this. For as God did not spare the angels, and we're trying to figure out who the angels are in Jude 6, 
Well, we're going to 2 Peter 2, 4. We're talking about the same angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of nether gloomed. Okay, and then if he didn't spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. So these angels in 2 Peter 2, 4, in context, were something going on in the days of Noah. And then when it says in your English translation, but they were cast into hell, it's really not the word for hell in Greek. I pointed out, and it's rather important, the word for that Peter uses for the pit that they were cast into was Tartarus, which was the word used in Greek mythology for the ancient mythological heroes of old that um, those who sometimes undiscerningly study <laughs> Uh, classical education and mythology don't realize that what the ancient Greeks and the ancients glorified, the Bible shows these are the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst, and it's not myth. So Tartarus is talking about the fallen angels that were put into the pit, and they're not good angels, they're bad angels, and what they did in Genesis 6 They were cohabiting with human women, and the results were some genetic freaks, so to speak, giants that were ruling the ancient world. So we got a hint from Genesis 6, 2 Peter 2, 4, and we need to recognize, and this is really important, there are twin plagues that have corrupted the world. Okay, obviously the biggie is Genesis 3, an original sin, and it internalizes sin in mankind. But we shouldn't forget that once that sin is in mankind, it's externalized through Genesis 6. The fallen angels really started doing a number and literally corrupting the human race to the got to the point God saw these giant offspring and all that. He's, God says, I'm sorry, I even have made man. And basically the flood wasn't God trying to be mean. He's trying to get rid of the mutants because they weren't redeemed. And if that spread through the whole human race, Jesus was fully human to fully redeem humans. And if you're anything less than a human or try to become a human plus like people are doing today, you're not redeemable. So how can we be sure that Jude 6 is talking about the fallen angels cohabiting with women in Genesis 6? Hey, you know, I recognize that people don't like this interpretation of Genesis 6. It's yuck, but we don't determine our uh, understanding of Scripture by if something, you know, is appealing or not to our taste. We, We just give me the truth. That's all we want. And those who take that oh, there's a bunch of explanations, what's gone on Genesis 6, like these were uh, good guys marrying bad women and stuff like that. And of course, there's no scriptural support for that whatsoever in the universe. And they really hope you don't read too close in Jude, verses 6, 14, and 15. Because we just mentioned in almost in a quick breath, Jude you know, talks about these angels that didn't keep their own position. It's exact same angels that uh, were cast into the gloom in Second Peter 2, okay, in the days of Noah. 
Well, you just drop down eight verses from Jude verse six, and you find out what this perspective is. In Jude 14, it was of these also that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam, that's the Enoch in Genesis 5, prophesied saying, behold, the Lord came with his holy myriads to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness, which they have committed in such an ungodly way. Did you catch the triplet, ungodly, ungodliness? And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners has spoken against him. Where is this in the Bible? It isn't. It isn't in the Bible. Jude 14 and 15 come from a document that was probably somewhat of a composite document, but from about three centuries before Christ. It was very present at the time of Christ and the time of Jude writing this epistle. It was called First Enoch. And Enoch was, I don't know what you would compare it to today, your you know, Pilgrim's Progress or some well-known Christian book. First Enoch was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Jews read and believed First Enoch's description in Genesis 6. I, I have a hard time understanding why people can't get this because uh, this was the background. This was the mindset. The only difference between, say, Greece and Babylon, ancient Babylon's view of these beings uh, connected with the flood was that Babylon credited them with their great and glorious cultural achievements and all this kind of things, whereas Genesis and the New Testament says, no, these are the most despicable among the despicable beings in the universe. So in any case, Jude is a quote, 14 and 15, is a quote from First Enoch. And if you read Enoch, it has a very full description of the fall in Genesis 6. It tells you exactly where these angels came down. There are 200 of them. He's got their names and all of this. And this is the background that was very common amongst Jews and early Christians, including Jude, the cousin of Jesus Christ, who wrote this epistle. So that's the context, the angels that didn't keep their first estate. I, I, and, I, and I realize that scholars today are saying there's some pretty big discoveries of ancient Babylonian literature. This goes way back to the beginning of recorded human history that mentions this stuff. So scholars are beginning to kind of come around and stuff. But for the life of me, I mean, we've had Jude all along. Why can't you see this? This is... This is pretty obvious, and you couple Jude with 2 Peter 2, and what more can you have? But here's the deal. Jesus said, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is serious stuff. This isn't just a debate over what happened in the ancient world. I mean, if that's all it was, forget it. When we're talking about biblical prophecy, and I'm not talking about just, you know, like a crystal ball wanting to know the future, but how about even wanting to know the present? What could be going on in our world that's causing such craziness and darkness? Well, 
it says in Revelation 9, this gloomy pit, this bottomless pit, right before the end is opened and darkness in the imagery of great smoke fills the sky. Well, these are dark beings that again inhabit the world and causing darkness. And we need to know where this comes from. If we deny it because it doesn't, Genesis 6 and Jude and Second Peter doesn't meet, meet our standards for uh, delicacy, well then, we're powerless to know what's going on rather than taking the St. Michael the Archangel prayer and making it our constant prayer during the day and the week. We need to know what's happening in our world, our culture, and what's attacking our church. And this is why we need this sometimes very overlooked one chapter of the Bible that is so loaded with truth. And yes, There was darkness in the earth, incredible darkness, and these fallen angels not only sinned by cohabiting with men, but produced these great giants that became rulers. In fact, the one world empire in the ancient world was the Tower of Babel, probably led by Nimrod, who was probably a Nephilim, one of the descendants of the offspring of these illicit unions. And what you turn to the very end of the Bible in Revelation 17 and 18, it's mystery Babylon the Great again emerges in conflict and has world domination and economic domination, particularly not just in the first century, but in the very time before Christ. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, uh, this attempt to create the old world order. Now we have a new world order, and what went on in Genesis 6 is what's going on in our day. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 313 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.